Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. Do you go by Matt or Matthew? Yeah, Matt's fine. Do you? Uh, Slide up like really close to the microphone. You want it like touching your face. You can adjust it if you need to. If you need to swing it up. There you go. Like that? Yeah, that'll work. How you doing? Doing all right in yourself. I'm good. This is the first time you've ever been here. Yes, the Asti, yes. Yeah. And you've been a shop owner for a while now, haven't you? Well, 2016. Yep. I love it. Try to angle like right into the, yeah. Oh, it's really heavy, and yeah, so let it slide back a little bit. But you, you just want to lean up, yeah, yeah, just lean into it a little bit, and right. uh, yeah, he, he it's has a really cool shot. Really Who does me? I do. No, hell no, not you. That's <laughs> very cool, super cool. Uh, uh, very, very unique. Yeah, concept. Very, very unique way of doing business. I had the pleasure of coming down. <laughs> he doesn't know what you're talking about. What are you even saying? It's not unique to me. I'm, that's what I do. I know, right? So I'm not really sure what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> you have a really unique way of uh, the the shop itself because you 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 work on very specific cars, right? You have some very specific cars in the shop that are pretty bad, eh? Yep. And you've built this like huge clientele. I mean, like people in my neck of the woods are like, "Hey, I'm going to take a copy." What, how, how did that, like, how did you do that? And, and I guess the better thing is, is because I know your history, you got to tell us your history first. Introduce yourself to well, yeah. How far back do you want me to go? Cause there's, there's, I have an ADD life. It's been you, all over the map. <laughs> you have, I, I introduce them at least. Nobody knows who you're yourself. talking to. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Matthew Copy or Matt Copy. Um, have a shop in Black Mountain called Coppinger Euro Service. And it was yep. Coppinger Performance. We recently rebranded because yep. apparently we were scaring off the locals. They thought right? we only worked on race cars. Like, no, we don't even do that. <laughs> right? It's, there's no money in that. So <laughs> You do have a pretty fast car, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do. Yeah. 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 It's pretty slick little ride. And I use it to deter people from spending too much money and false expectations. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um so tell us a little bit about your background um, and how you got, you know, uh, just a brief history of yourself. All right. Um, the only one in my family that gives a crap about cars is me. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know how that happened. Uh, the story goes when I was four or something like that, I drew a four-legged chicken. That was the first picture. People could tell what I drew. Right. And then I drew a car, and that's all I drew from that point forward. Right. And no, one, no one else in my family understood where that came from. I kind of got... 
hooked up with a top fuel drag racing team when I was 14 and okay. I, I was the oil pan boy at the end of the race would come back, pull the oil pan off the 500 big block Chrysler engine and I would clean it, find the pinholes and they would braze it up and put it back in there. Um, and I started going to races with them, got to do a few passes with that car, which was the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my entire I life. I bet. Not even at full throttle. It was just, yeah. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. Um, joined the military, worked as a light wheel vehicle mechanic, which is basically anything heavy duty diesel with wheels on it. And a lot of techs here are probably the same path because that's the yeah. largest job title in the United States military is light wheel vehicle mechanic. So a lot of people have cut their teeth on diesels and automotive right. in the military. As I, as I did, we got off of active duty, <clears throat> excuse me, got off of active duty, went into new car sales yep. for about six months, decided I did not like losing money <laughs> at all. <laughs> and then I went into mobile fleet maintenance and helped to build a business that did mobile on-site fleet maintenance where we had a couple of vans set up to do really rapid oil services and inspections on-site for, you know, large companies that had big yep. fleets and their, their morning meetings, but... I had a bit of an accident. Truck fell and crushed my shoulder and went back into sales for a little while while I recovered. Um, then during the economy tanking in 2008 and nine, I went back to school and got a degree in something completely different because my ex-wife thought that'd be a better approach to life. Yeah. Didn't work out that way. And I decided to open my own business. Nope. So I've been working on BMW since I was 19, off and on in various ways. And that's my passion. So, And that's kind of how I've been known for the car I built as well. Right. And, and one of the things I've always noticed about you, even, even just the way, uh, that you walked through the dinner last night, you, you can tell you were in the service, right? right yeah. You have a very, very structured approach to everything you do. Mm -hmm. And I was really impressed the first time I came to your shop because it shows how much of that structure played into the shop, right? Because you've got a, a really unique operation in the way, like, man, I don't know what it is about that building and love that building yeah. and like it's a small shop it is and it's in this so it's it's like sitting off on this little side road right and all you see like when you walk out is the mountain is like literally right in front of you just this beautiful little spot just amazing and then like the front counter i i wish i had pictures i probably do have pictures somewhere I I, you'll just have to show him i mean <laughs> yeah. it, it it's it's rare to see somebody pick a shop up like yours and start and create success like you created success and have structure like you have structure mm -hmm. right without until they hire a business coach or or they go to some training or something where did that come from like where did you find that structure in that because you had a lot of process and you had things fairly nailed down mm -hmm. without that well how did you do that so i i struggled a lot you know, I got really, really hungry. The, that's not my first shop. The first shop I had was a really crappy place out in the middle of nowhere. Had no visibility. Had no amenities. No hot water. A toilet that barely worked. And it was just a real dump. Was it done with care auto repair? No. <laughs> this place was a dump. Like It was not even an actual shop. I was working on the floor. No lifts. It was right. rough. Um, any like the, the, mo the mobile fleet maintenance, we were always working on the ground under trucks. There was never any amenities. So... It was just from the hunger. Yeah. Like I, I knew what I wanted. I can still see. I, I know the next few steps that I want to make happen. I'm not really sure how I'm going to make it happen yet. Yeah. But I know what I want to happen. And that's kind of how I did it with this shop was I, when I first went into that building, 
the main shop space was all I had. We had a yeah. little, what's now the break room was our office and the customers interacted with us there. That's where we got parts. It was Lucas and I have been telling you about parts tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your parts tech account, go to my shop and click on the rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Really tight. Right. But I knew that I wanted that space next door, which I turned into our lobby and remodeled all that. But it's, I just, I know what I want to do next. Like I said, I just don't always know how. Right. And so, hey, you know, you've come down here to ASTE for the first time, and you've been taking some training classes. Now, did you take management or did you take technical? Management. Okay. And so what has been your takeaway? So this is my first ASTE. I have been to another training event okay. prior to this one where I met you uh, yeah. last spring. Yeah. Um, and what I what I found last spring was I went into the training expecting it to all be over my head because I had never had any formal training. I've never owned a business. I've never yeah. really built anything like this. So I expected all that training to go completely over my head. And I realized there, like, I know my KPIs. I know my numbers. Yeah. I was just shooting for the wrong targets. So yeah. I was, the margins weren't right. Things like that. And I, I was that guy in the back of the class, like, yeah, I'm the one at the end of the month with a stack of bills with the right. cool looking shop and the cool cars. Right. And I'm drowning. Yeah. And I walked away from that training. Okay. I got to make these changes. So this training event, I'm pleased to say that every training I've gone to so far, the management stuff, it's, um, reiterating things I know, yeah. it's polishing things that I know, and I'm going back with some polished ideas. I'm going to tweak some things and make it even better. So I'm really enjoying this training event because I there was no anxiety coming into it. Yeah, it was more excitement. Like, okay, yeah. now what do I get? Like, now what am I? What am I going to change next? And how am I going to make it better? So yeah, that's what I'm getting from this one. What? So talking about what's changing. Okay, what? What is it that we're going to work towards when we get back? Do you have specific things that you're going to make a shift on or you're going to make a change on? Yeah, because like a lot of us, I've been focused on the gross profit. Okay. And the gross profit per hour, my coach and I, I have had a coach for the last year. Okay. We've been talking about gross profit per hour, and it's not really been a huge focus, but it's that's going to shift okay. big time. Um, that, but more long the efficiency, because as you said, my shop is not the biggest. I have nine yeah. parking spots total. Yeah. And 
the efficiency is what I've been working towards and working towards and working towards. Uh, there's some ideas just from talking to other attendees that I've come up, I've, I've found that I like. There's some things I've heard in the management classes that I like. Uh, we're going to go back and try to tweak even more the efficiency and making it tighter right. so we can get cars in and out. Just turn them over, get them out, get them right. out. How many, how many techs are you running right now? At this moment, just two. Okay. Yeah. And now are you, because I thought it was for a while that you were still working in the bays, weren't you? Right. Yeah. So I hired the second tech. His name's Jose. He's here with us. Okay. Um, to remove myself from the bay as a full-time tech. And that okay. was a huge move. Huge yeah. move. I, I feel like when we talked about that, there were some nerves or some anxiety. Right. Yeah. It moving away from that. And I, that's one of the things that I hear a lot of shop owners that were the primary technician and they say, yeah, but if I, if I'm not in there, I don't know about the quality that we're putting out and I don't know about the, yeah. and I sensed a little bit of anxiety from you when it came to that, right? Yeah. Because you've always been the guy. Right. And, and one of the things we see guys do is they go out and they say, okay, I'm the technician. And I am the service advisor, and I am the toilet cleaner, and I am the business owner, right? Mm -hmm. And they're trying to do everything all by themselves. And so what do they do? They go and they hire a less skilled technician. They hire an apprentice. They hire somebody that's completely green, a, a GS, and they're like, I'll teach them. God, no. Man, I'm telling you, right? <laughs> I mean, how talking about adding on to your workload. Yeah, dude. Holy crap. Absolutely. Well, and that's, that's what I was getting ready to say is that – the problem is, is okay. So we we have we have four technicians in the shop mm -hmm. and one apprentice, and those four technicians could spend four hours a day trying to teach the apprentice how to do that job. Right. And and in four or five years, he's going to be proficient at that. In four or five years. In four or five years, which is good though, because you want to build that. You want to of develop course. that new guy, but at what cost? Well, uh, you you cannot do it starting out though. Mm -mm. Because if you go and you hire that guy who is not skilled, who is not a professional starting out, who doesn't know more than you do in a lot of ways, and that that can be like an ego sting for a shop owner. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, I'm the guy in my shop. I'm the guy who everybody comes to. I'm the guy who knows these things. And so if if you're not willing to kind of take a little bit of an ego hit or take that, that risk and say, I'm going to put somebody in here that knows more than I do, mm -hmm. or at least somebody that's extremely competent, the problem is, is they're like, well, how could I afford to pay them? Well, you're going to have a whole lot harder time paying an apprentice, yeah. even though they're earning way less than you would if you tried to hire a a master level technician. I think that was the biggest fear was how do I pay this guy? How do I how do I provide enough hours to keep him going? And I'll say that in my situation, yeah, there's weeks that are super lean, yeah, that it's it's a struggle, and I worry about that, but. And this is kind of going back to the change in the industry that you guys talk about a lot. The culture in my shop. Come it's to a find a million, out, dude. Come to find out the culture in my shop is the reason that I have people. Yeah. I mean, they love the paycheck, obviously, but the culture is why they're sticking around. Yeah. And that's what I, I keep pushing all my fellow shops in the area. I keep talking to people. Like, fix your freaking culture. Like, make it a place where people want to come. Yeah, dude. Like, they might not like it every day. But it's a place they can come and feel comfortable. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Well, and and I, I don't know. We've got a couple of good shops around us, right? Like we're spread out a couple hundred miles, right? Right. But we've got a couple of good shops around us. But is it just me, or does it not seem like there are some rough ones out there? There's some rough ones. Yeah. And and I mean, is it like that in Kansas City? Are there a bunch of like kind of? Because I mean, it, it feels like 
and I don't want to throw shade anybody. The people who would be listening to this and the people that we know and, and are friends with are really good shops. Right. It's right? not those shops. It's not right. them. Exactly. Yeah. It it's there's there seems to be an overabundance of like I don't even want to call them shade trees. I, how would you describe it? Just shady. Yeah, exactly. Just you shady. can leave the tree out. Yeah. <laughs> we don't. I've got some really high end operations around me. I'm probably the shade, the shady shop, the <laughs> sketchy shop. They, they look at my little rundown building and they're like, "Ooh." I mean, it's not even the rundown buildings. It's not even the small shops. It's that that like paper tickets, mm-hmm. um, no structure whatsoever. Drop it off. We'll get to it when we get to it. You don't even they don't give estimates and then you they pick it up and they don't even know what was done. Just right. scroll down on a sheet of paper and they hand you the sheet of paper and they're like, Hey, I was over at I such wish and such. I was surrounded by shops like that. It'd be awesome. I that'd be awesome. I'd be so happy. <laughs> I I got I got one the other day. And I'll I'll see if I can find this picture. I'll show it to both of you. I get this the other day and this client uh, goes to a, a friendly shop of mine and and he sends me a text message and he says, "Hey, what do you think about this?" I'm like, "What?" He said, "Read that ticket. It's a paper written ticket, and it says he goes down this list and it has all the things they did and it was replaced front brake calipers, eight hundred dollars. Okay, it's all it was on there, and um, it goes down into the parts line." And it says employee food, one hundred dollars. <laughs> Swear to God, employee food. Yeah, that's awesome. I should start charging for that. They have some balls. That's <laughs> that, yeah. We were talking about a, a research fee. They're charging for the employees' lunch. God, that's awesome. Here, hang on. I'm Good gonna, for them. I'm gonna find it for you. I've got to show it to both of you now. Um, and they they uh, put the calipers on upside down. Oh, oh no! Well, that'll screw. Yeah, yeah. Don't charge a hundred dollar employee fee, and then, and then, uh, how much of that hundred dollars was PBRs? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, look, look, look at the master cylinder. A look, couple they, adapters in there. Yeah, they uh, they put a brake line on it. They don't have a brake flaring tool, so they they threw some adapters in there. Oh, nice! Oh, so they didn't have no, to. Don't do that. <laughs> right? Yeah. But, no, well, but is it leaking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's leaking? Well, okay then. Um don't so, do that either. Yeah. If so, you're gonna charge an employee food fee. At least make sure shit's not leaking. Yeah. You can just say there you go. I'm trying to find a picture of my front office. Oh here. Employees here's, food. <laughs> this was the front office before Hold, I would have never imagined that's what that looked like. <laughs> It was a uh, it was a butcher shop at one point. This is uh, needs a brake buster to complete repairs. Will be separate bill. They could at least spell O's. Gave your employees. What's that say? I don't know. We see tickets like that all the time. This is impressive. It's also a 2002 Chevy Astro. So if you own a Chevy Astro, that's the shop you go to. Right. Don't bring it to my shop because <laughs> it'll need head gaskets and I'll end up putting them in for free. I like how they even have the handwritten name of the company, the address and everything. <laughs> no, that's right. professional. Like they, that's went, a, they went to Office Depot and bought like a stack of the yeah. triplicate. 
carbon paper. At least get a stamp, though. At least stamp it. Like, the stamps aren't that expensive. Then you just stamp the corner. No? I mean, that would be better than that. See, this is why you just avoid any of that nonsense. You go digital. But hey, they're they're getting their grease and brake cleaner for free, so that's good. <laughs> no, they saved a, a fortune, right? I, I think that meant like twenty dollars for for grease fittings, cleaner, twenty dollars. Stacking it all up. Yeah. yeah. I I mean, but it's ambiguous enough that we uh, we can't tell. Right. I, I thought this was uh, great. Mechanic recommendations had to modify to get to work. Was exploded. Was asked to fix problem. This that is why extra charge. <laughs> <laughs> well articulated, I like it. I mean, did you read the, that line right there? Yeah, I didn't. But here's the thing, you you know, I, I I would prefer that to be the shops around me. They're not. Right. The shops around me are doing two million plus, very well run ap- operations. There are a few shops. There, there's a shop up the street from us is a, a bit of a cut rate shop. They don't charge enough. They don't put any notes in their diagnostic. Like they just say diagnostic charge hundred dollars. Right. They're not putting testing notes and stuff like that in there. Um, but they do, they do a ton of used vehicles. So we're surrounded by repair shops and used car lots. Oh, that's gotcha. Within a mile of me, it's just used car lot, repair shop, used car lot, repair shop. And the used car lots all use this one guy um, because he's he keeps them busy. He keeps his three mechanics busy. It's, he doesn't have a very large shop, but, man, he's just pumping cars through there doing right. used car work. Everybody else around me has a really well-run operation. And then you have a few one-man, just single-bay shops. So everybody else is like six plus bays. There's an eight bay or 16 bay shop up the street from me, about half a block north to the south of me. There's, you know, four, eight bays, three bays, all well established, all run well. And then there's me scratching and clawing. (laughs) I need a big red barn. You're you're still offended by that, huh? I'm not offended by it. You got you sounded like you were offended by it. I'm not offended by the fact that you think my shop is why I'm successful. I'm okay with that. Um, I didn't say that. I just said you know it helps to be next to a, an extremely popular roadside attraction, and then all you How have does to that say happen? is, I mean, do people go on vacation and like, hey, I need to go get my car fixed? No, but everybody in town knows Mystery Hill. Everybody in town knows Mystery Hill, right? Yeah. Okay, then. On the red, big red barn next. Why are you getting me riled <laughs> up with this again? On the big red barn next to Mystery Hill. Everybody knows the big red barn next to Mystery Hill. It's a giant red barn next to the popular roadside attraction. Why does that make, like, how does that mean that I get oh more clients? Oh, goodness. Though? Are you serious? Like, if if you. I, Just I go because to they AT, know where it's at? I go to an ATI class. Okay, I go to an ATI class. This is like one of the very first classes I've ever been to. Okay. I, had, I had no idea about anything whatsoever. That ATI class was awesome. The guy's just running through numbers. I love numbers. He's just running through numbers. This is how you do the math. This is what you... How do you- hey, everyone. It's Lucas. I'm sorry to jump in, but I thought it was important to come and say this. 
You know, I'm often asked, why do we always talk about Kim and Brian Walker and shop marketing pros on the show? It's because we genuinely believe in their product. Why do I use them for my own marketing? In fact, they're building me a new website right now. It's not cookie cutter. I kept getting on Facebook and every shop looked the exact same. I didn't want to be that. And it's not just that. It's that they're part of your team. When you hire them to do your marketing, they get to know you. They know what you believe. They know what you say and they know why you do what you do. And they share that with your clients. That's huge. And beyond all of that, probably the most important factor in all of this is they stand behind their work. So don't wait. Go today and get your free marketing analysis from Shop Marketing Pros. They're genuinely our friends and they're genuinely here to help shop owners have a better life. Click on the link in the show notes for your free marketing analysis today. That's right. It's free. doesn't cost you a dime. You determine your employee's potential and yet, and I'm looking at my numbers and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so depressing. And, and I, the, the, the people sitting next to me work, would you turn that off? Yeah. The people sitting next to me, uh, are, have a shop like two hours North and the guy's doing $1.3 million. And he's been in business for like two or three years less than me. Okay. I'm doing maybe $400,000 a year. And not paying the bills at all, by the way. Not paying the bills in any way, shape, or form. And, and I go to him and I'm like, dude, how, how'd you ramp up to $1.3 million? And he's like, oh, well, you know, we, we just got really busy really quick. I'm like, okay, tell no. me more. Tell me more. He's like, yeah, well, we, we have a really big sign. I'm like okay, and we're next to Walmart. Well, that doesn't, yeah. And and in this tiny town of like ten thousand people, what do you think the biggest thing in town is? It's the flipping Walmart. Yep. He's right next to Walmart with a giant sign and zero advertising budget. I'm and sure. zero advertising. Yep. He did no marketing. I'm like, are you sending mailers out? Are you doing Google nope. ads? He's like, nope. He's like, I just turned my sign on and they just piled in. Why? <laughs> because he's next to the Walmart. That's all I'm saying is you're next to the Walmart. But and I mean, I'm not saying that you don't have to. You you were friendly. You had good quality work. You took care of your customers. All that stuff helps. All that stuff helps. But if they don't even know you exist, having all that other stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't care how good your quality work is. I hate when I want to punch them when they're like, if you just do good quality work, customers are shopping. Just right in their noses. Well, you know, Black Mountain's a really small town, <laughs> yeah. right? So we have an exit, exit 59, the next yeah. town over, and you come in through Highway 70, which is, like, as you're coming in Highway 70, you're cresting the hill in a beautiful scenic Black Mountain. Yeah. I'm on the left, and yeah. the mountains and the railroad tracks on the right. So my front, <laughs> like you said, my front door, we have our little employee cookouts and we just sit there and look at the mountains. Yeah, dude, it's beautiful. But as you're coming in from this exit, which a lot of people that are local that live on the east side or the west side of town come in through that exit, that's great. If you live anywhere from downtown east, there's exit 64, which you just hop over railroad tracks and you're right there. None of those people know I exist. Yeah. And that's frustrating for me because I talk to people all the time. I'm Chamber of Commerce and they're like, oh, where's your shop at? I'm like, it's Right beside that major coffee shop that we have in town that everybody goes to, yeah. like Dynamite Roasting, good friends, like it's right across the street. You can see my shop from the main, like the main highway in town. Oh, I never go that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, now it did help that I I, moved, I was in a in a cul de sac. 
Mm-hmm. So like it was a dead end road. No one's going to find you. Yeah. And I was in a strip mall with at one point, one, two, three other shop, four other shops. I was the fifth. Oh, not good. Yeah. And they've all been in business for years. And here I am opening my business for the first time. Nobody's there for me. It, it was a nightmare. I moved to, I moved to a, a shop that's right outside this park. They have a farmer's market there during the summer. They have a bunch of car shows there at this park, and I'm on the south side of the park. But I still have to tell people, hey, I'm on the south side of the Miriam's Farmer's Market. They're like, oh, where? Uh, oh, uh, I'm on the south. Like, you you drive by my building. I've I got, got. I still it, got you beat, though. My shop, the first shop I started in was $300 a month, which was the reason I took it. Yeah. It was just. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Anybody (laughs) listening, it's not good money. 30 minutes outside of any major populated areas. So anybody come to my shop had to drive 30 minutes and get a ride to follow them out there. for It was scenic. It was beautiful. It was a great drive. And it was an old skating rink that had been converted to flex space. And I had a bay door on the backside of the building. Is that his shop? Yeah, I don't oh, have any. Rolling. I don't have the picture of outside. I just got all the pictures of like. I've we, have got, a, we have a Facebook page, and we oh, have a website. Didn't you go there for your like like the family trip? No, it was thing? the ASTA. Yeah, yeah. Summer cookout. Yeah. But the uh, this shop, though, the only reason I was able to do what I did at that shop was because four or five years earlier, I had started a Asheville area BMW group, right? So everyone knew me through that, and they were asking yeah. me to help them work on their cars. Is the reason I got that shop space to begin with, so I could actually not do it in my driveway anymore. So people would drive that far to come see me, but I had very limited exposure just to that one group that I had right. built. So, and then you know, moving from that that horrible location to the Black Mountain location, I more than quadrupled my revenue in the first three months, which was like for me that was mind blowing. And right. since then, I've grown. T- astronomically since then even rough guess of what the revenue is in the shop and i might i'll see if we can maybe throw some of these pictures up when we post everything so right now we've grown um and it's been more or less 34 to 36 percent year over year yeah uh, gross gross revenue and that's not counting we've improved our our gross profit and our our bottom line so we've been tweaking things Um, this year we're on track for 650 and that's up from four fifty. I'm sorry, four seventy five last year. Right. So that's good. Yeah, we're, that's we're with jumping. you in in the bay working on the cars. Right. And yeah. so, and we're talking about hiring a technician who's smarter than you. The guy Jose, who's once again, he's here. Uh, when I was interviewing him for the job, I kept thinking, like, I can't hire someone dumber than me because then I'm just going to be back out there. Right. So right. He and I were talking. He kept. He was losing me. He was going into like detailed stuff. I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about right now. So. Right. You're hired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's done do this. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. awesome. You bring something to the table that I have no idea what you're talking about. When so. that when that happened, when you brought him on, did you see a development in the business? Because like when I when I hired Eric and Terry, right? I had I had decent texts before that, but I'm just saying like when I hired them, I spent a lot of time trying to secure the right people for the shop, right? right. And so when I hired them, it was like an overnight change in the business. And and it, I think a lot of it was is that was the confirmation for me. I need to dig in. I need to do better. I need to work harder and make this work. And and to a degree, it freed me up to be able to do that. 
right? Because right. before I wasn't working on the business, I was constantly working in the business. I was putting out fires every time I turned around. Well, when I hired them as elite techs, now all of a sudden I'm not putting out fires. Eric and Terry are putting out the fires. Right. And they're saying, hey, I've got this handled. Don't worry about it. So I'm not quite there yet. So, okay. And I had to look up the name. I'm horrible with names. I'm looking at people's names as I'm talking. Um, Aaron talked about levers yesterday in the class. Mm-hmm. Like, which lever do I pull to do this? And the wrong lever, the right lever. Right. So my first big jump into hiring somebody to replace me. So this is my first step into the office full time. You know, I've been trying to do it, but it mm-hmm. wasn't working because you can't do anything half-assed for too long before it falls yeah. apart. Yeah. Um, this is my first step into the office, hiring in Jose to replace me. So I was just struggling trying to figure out, okay, what lever do I pull next? And I also had just started with my business coach at the time. So he and I were working together like, okay, so we need to tweak these things. So the the ramp up from hiring him in was not immediate. Yeah. Um, that was scary. Because I'm oh, like, okay, yeah. I hired this new guy on. I've more than doubled my overhead for payroll. I now got to figure out how to get more cars in. Like, how do I get him the work so I can go from where we were, billable hours every week, to, like, a considerable amount more? Right. And that's been that's been the challenge since is just, like, okay, how do I maintain a workflow and how do I keep cars coming in when I only have nine parking spots to rotate cars in and out of my shop? And, and that is the scariest part yeah. is, like, how do I make sure I have enough to pay them? And, and the problem is is that – in, on either side of it, and you've been through this, I've been through this, is like, well, if I don't have enough work, I can't pay them. But I can't get enough work if I don't have them. Right. <laughs> right? Like, there, there's... You you always you always just hire and figure it out. Right. Exactly. You always just hire yep. and figure it out. I've never... I've been on both sides of that. And I've been the, I'm going to cheap out on the technician. And I've been on the side of just hire them and do we'll, it, we'll figure it out. It out. Yep. And... and I'm sorry. There's just no, there's no way to ease your mind. Mm-mm. You just hire them. You just have to do and it. What you find out is that you are giving away more work than you think by not having them in the bay. Yep. You are pushing off on appointments. You're not pushing to sell the work. Mm-hmm. You're not efficient at getting the inspections to the customers. You're, you're delaying to get the estimates out. You're not, uh, aggressive about setting the appointment and getting them in right. the door in a quick, yeah. quick fashion. Because if you're, if you know that those technicians can pump out the work, it is a race to get the cars to fill the hole. Right. Yeah. And that mindset will fill your bays up very quickly. The minute that you've got a blockage. The minute that you're like, oh, that tech is a little slow or that tech is not, or we're not going to get all this work out or I'm going to have to explain to the customers the mm-hmm. cars aren't getting out. That mindset, I'm sorry, there's just no way to fix that or overcome it. It's playing in the back of your mind and then you're like, well, I can't get you in on Tuesday because I've already got this much work in on Tuesday and I've already got seven cars parked scheduled in sevens a lot for my techs. And I, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then you're pushing out, pushing out, and then some of those appointments don't show up, and then it turns right. into something you don't care because you're like, well, I don't want to get any busier. It's already kind of hectic. It's a terrible idea. Just just hire the tech. Right. Just hire the tech, especially yeah. if you've got a good one in front of you. Like, yeah, wait. just go ahead and, and jump, right? Because yeah. if you don't, you never get that opportunity for that growth, right? You're just absolutely it's locking It's probably already there. 
Yeah, it's probably already there. You'll at least ramp up to sustainability very quickly. All right. Very quickly, you'll yeah. you'll get ramp up to sustainability. The, and if you're not, if you're like, well, I hired him and oh man, I'm struggling to to do all that stuff. I, I'm telling you right now, nine times out of ten, you've somehow decided to cut out marketing, and or you're doing a terrible job on the phones, or you're you need leadership training because you can well, hold people accountable to do their job. Um, we're talking about specifically just making sure there's enough cars to feed the techs. That's what I'm saying, though. If you hired a tech and then you're not able to manage your people and yourself to hold yourself accountable to yeah. doing the work, you need leadership training. You need management training from places like this or a coach or something. Because so that's when you were asking earlier, like, how do I do? I've been in the military for 24 years. Yeah. I'm about to, I'll, I'm in the reserves now. I, I was active duty for eight years. I've been in positions of leadership since I was 20. So I have an advantage of a really advanced leadership training. And though I see, like, you know, some of their shops in my area mm-hmm. and you're friendly with them. Yeah. They're great, great work, great shops, amazing yeah. people that are just now learning the leadership stuff. Yeah. And it's painful. And I'm like, I it's hard to, to watch in a lot I of ways. I try to help and I, I don't want to push too much. And, and they reach out to me sometimes. Um, Great people love their shop. I want to refer a lot of work to them, but that that part right there scares me because you see people who have all this potential and they Brilliant. struggle Brilliant. with the leadership yeah. part, and that's and for me like leadership yeah. both internal and external. So you're leading your people, but you also you're in charge of yourself. You've got to be able to say, "This is my program. This is what I'm going to be doing. I have to do these things." And if you aren't strong enough to do that, then you fail yourself and your employees. Sure. So it's it's yeah. an internal thing. It's a leadership. That's why some of us shouldn't be shop owners. <laughs> I recognize it. Listen, I just got to pay that EIDL off. <laughs> I pay that EIDL off. I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. I am out. I'll be hiring soon. Oh, I don't. I can't work for anybody, dear. You'll fire me within a few days. Probably. <laughs> That's the reason I don't work for anybody else. I'm, I don't want to work for anybody because I'll just, no. But I, I show up late to everything ever. So I'll show up late and be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm seven minutes late. But and, it's and only now, seven minutes. Now, look, what the problem is, is that when when other people do it to him, he gets pissed. Yeah. Of course. That's because I'm always late to everything. And if I bother to show up, and it was because it was Paul Danner. I didn't want him here waiting. I thought you had already been in here, but they're in here like, you know, doing that one of them deals where they're looking down at their watches. And I'm like, hey, where's Lucas? Mm-hmm. He hasn't been in here? Mm-hmm. He's shaking hands with somebody at the urinal. That's exactly right. And then, he, and then, and then he's so cute. He, he, then he has the, um, the testicles to tell Ball Danner. I'm just, everybody keeps topping me on the way in here. Like, oh, yeah, Mr. Underwood, so popular. You're talking to Paul Danner. What's wrong with you? Did you even realize, you know what it is, is he says it so much, he doesn't even realize who he's saying it to. Right. So then, you know, it just come, rolls out, and then he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that to you, who were able to make oh, it adorable. in on time. I'm still trying That's to find cute. pictures of the ex- outside of my shop. <laughs> that was adorable. <laughs> that was cute. With the AST shirt. Yes. We just had a little girl smush her face up against the window. It was absolutely adorable. <laughs> I, You know... Um, 
David, you suck. <laughs> and I, I do need to make sure I ask everybody listening, if you come to Apex, we'll be there. We're going to be recording. We're going to be at Tools first. Yeah, we'll be at Tools. So, you know, make sure Tools you're... Tools will be quick. We'll be in and out. Yeah, but... Tools is not a very long event. No, but, but they need to they need Brett, to make sure they Brett give Fadley, you hugs. Brett Fadley needs to stop smoking. Yeah, he does need to stop smoking. And I asked him, I so I, I asked him like how how did the um um You jumped right over the part where I told all of our listeners they need to give you hugs because they I heard it. Yeah. You love hugs. You love it when random strangers hug you. No. <laughs> It makes here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, you know what the problem is, is that um, I am in the bathroom with these people and we all have a lot of time. There. We all have different habits. We all do different things, you know, to each their own. But I see who washes their hands and who doesn't. And um, I, I hear the noises and the grunts. I hear the he's got pictures of the front of us. <laughs> Swipe a little bit left and right, not too far, but <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm just saying, like I, I, I've got a that was that is one of the reasons I don't like to be touched. I had a wrong way, go the other way. I had a technician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't go that way. You're just gonna see my motorcycle. That's all. I, I had a technician. That's pretty. That's a pretty I, shot. Yes, the front. There oh, look at you smiling. Look at you. Right, no, stop, stop. Oh, funny meme. <laughs> I, <laughs> I had a. He's like, don't hate me, phones. Yeah, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I had a, uh, I had a technician one time, and he he came into the shop. Or he came into the office, and he's he's like showing me these pictures of this car, and he's going back and forth, and then he flips one. And he says, "Oh, there's my penis. Don't look at that." <laughs> Why would he have a picture of his penis on his phone? And we have it ready, ready to fire out. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! So seriously, you keep filters on the shelf just in case you need them, right? That's exactly <laughs> right. I mean, what else are you gonna do? And I will never, as long as I live. People I'll never don't do keep it. pictures of your pecker on your phone. Don't do that, <laughs> David. Well, never mind. Uh, <laughs> or do you keep pictures of other people's on your phone? Don't don't keep pictures. Oh, don't you pictures of any pecker on any phone. Just <laughs> no. Leave them be. Leave them be. Oh I'm God. just curious. At one point, do you go, that's impressive. You know what? I'm going to take a picture to capture this moment. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> prop the leg up. <laughs> Clink. <laughs> And then you keep it on the phone. Who does that? <laughs> well, you get the angle right. You want yeah, to keep that one. This looks impressive. But at that point, is it not catfishing? Yeah. You're like, hey, I just want to show you something, lady friend. Bloop. Hoping that she comes back and go, wow, that's impressive. And then it, she sees it in real life and goes, <laughs> she says, that's oh. unique. That's, that's better than any other one I've ever seen. It's <laughs> yeah. completely different. For I sure. was really going for the curvature. You know what I mean? I'm just telling you. <laughs> the curvature. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hey, that okay. So the that's plane segue. Yeah, the, the, the plane ride with the urologist the other day. Super smart guy. Very smart guy. And he said, did you know, <clears throat> he said, um, he's a urologist for the VA um, and, and worked in, in private practice for years. And he said, they see between 150,000 
50 to 200 fractured penises per year. And he said they will not fix them anymore. He said that that it, it is literally. How do you fracture a penis? Um, I, I, I know a guy, a soldier. <laughs> Apparently, she, his wife and he had a disagreement on how endowed he was. So yeah. when she got a little bit rambunctious and went up and came down, she misjudged his endowment. Oh. And came down, didn't quite line up right, crushed it. And broke it, and it's yeah. He 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 was very proud to show the scars and pictures, and it. it okay, I still don't know the mechanism though, because there's no like there's no. It ruptures the, the blood it, vessels. Yeah, it ruptures oh. the blood vessels, and, and it, it interacts with the urethra in ways, and it's not good. But yeah, he, and well, so then that's what this guy was saying is he was saying that there is the so much, he tossing her up like we. I don't think he was doing anything. I think she was just getting into it. Holy moly! He was laying there. <laughs> well, she was trying to get into it. it, <laughs> it was just, like, in there. <laughs> it was just trying to hold on. <laughs> um, uh, so, so he explains that there is a right way, and and it has X consequences, and there's a way that's less effective that has X consequences. Mm-hmm. And he said, medicine teaches you to do it the right way. And I, I didn't understand everything he's talking about. I use big words. Right. And I'm not a big word kind of person, right? <laughs> and so, you know this. And so he said, he basically said that we often, to reduce liability, have to start making decisions about the health care of Americans today, especially in the VA, based on, he said, listen, he said, I'm not going to lie to you. He said, in the VA, he said, you really got to F up to get sued. And he said, what happens is, is, he said, if you work for the VA, you will not get sued working for the VA. He said, as long as you're employed by the VA, you will not get sued as a doctor. He said, but by God, they come in there and tell you they're firing you. He said, you know you're getting ready to get sued. He's like, that's all there is to it. He said, if you get fired from the VA as a doctor, as a you're practicing physician, you were yeah. in trouble. He's yeah. like, you know. And he said, now we still have to carry the same insurance and the same liability stuff, all that. But he said, here's the thing. He said, in healthcare in America today, because of this litigious nature, we are making decisions about healthcare based on liability. our potential liability mm-hmm. as opposed to what's right for the patient. He said, that's wrong. He's like, I'm, I'm telling you, that's wrong. I know that's wrong. I know it's not the right thing to do. What do you think about that? I mean, isn't that crazy? You know what you do to avoid these conversations? Just put your headphones on. <laughs> you put your headphones on, you hook it up to your phone, and you mean mug. You do those three things. Hey, to all of our <laughs> they listeners. They don't have conversations. Let me yeah. tell you about 150 to 200 fractured penises a year. I'm sorry. Do uh, I know you? Why are we talking no, about I, had, this? I don't know if you noticed. I have this persona where I'm just very much stoic and people don't bother me. No, I no. Go, See, our I listeners go to the gym like, and put my headphones in like you're talking about. Even if their battery is dead, I don't care. I'm putting them in. No one's going to talk to me. Yeah. I'm good. But, yeah, but see, our listeners need to know that that if they see David like and reach into over the and microphone, just like dude. pat his head a little bit. Don't you yeah. love that? Don't you love that as a um volically challenged individual? No, nobody touches me. They yeah, to, they want to. They want to touch your head for some reason. Mm. No, they, I don't. I don't get that. I'm, I. I. It's probably been I don't know ten years since somebody tried to touch my head. Yeah. Don't touch my head. Don't touch my head. Yeah, David just likes being touched. Period. <laughs> Especially on the head. And hugs. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Especially I told you the it's airport. the bathroom thing, dude. I know what you're doing there. I know where those hands have been. 
<laughs> I don't want you touching me. I'm sorry. You should, Cecil's hand. Oh, Cecil washes his hands. He likes it warm. <laughs> He's going to kill us. There's he a does. Lot of, he there's likes a you. lot of people here that are not washing their hands. I'll oh, I know. <laughs> I was very surprised. He's how calling many, them all out. How many professionals I watch walk in, use the bathroom, look at me, make eye contact. And they make eye contact, beeline it out. Just, and they, I, they, the nod, too. And they're like. I, I, <laughs> hey, I watched. I, w- I was in this one right here behind you yep. yesterday. And dude comes out of like one of the stalls and he's standing there biting his finger. Oh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> This is very interesting. <laughs> He's not. Don't worry. He washed his hands when he got done. He was still chewing here's on the, the fingernail. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, folks. And I just want all our listeners to understand that at the very least, I I get you're not get you're not peeing all over your hands. I, I get that. I I get that you're probably washing your junk too. Your junk's nice and clean, and you don't get any pee on your hands. The minute you start touching the stall, mm-hmm. the toilet handle. The door handle in the bathroom, you are getting all sorts of nasty bacteria all over your hands. Wash your flipping hands. And also, it reduces the spread of like cold, the cold flu, yeah. on and on and on. It's just a good habitat. It's just, just wash. good manners. And just for the people around you, just wash your hands. Just let them see you wash your hands. Even if you just it does keep you healthier. Like the five year old that washes the fingertips. I don't care. Just do that. Something. Just make it. Make an effort. Yeah. Just make it look like you're doing something. Yeah. Do you wash your hands, David? Oh man, religiously. I can't. You know. You know the other thing too is when I'm cooking, I get even a little bit of anything on my hand. I gotta go wash my hands. Mm-hmm. So it, every time I touch yeah, something, I can't stand that. That sticky. Let's talk about gloves in the shop. Do you guys wear or have your technicians mm-hmm. wear? Yeah, yeah, I might do. And when I remember to order them. Yeah. When oh, I, shit. What about during COVID? They were $30 a box. Dude, that was crazy. You still bought had them. them. I still bought them. Yeah, I yeah. did too. I didn't stop. My All my guys use gloves, and yeah. they should, uh, yeah. just to keep chemicals off of, your, Absolutely off right. of your skin so it doesn't soak in. So many of these guys use brake cleaner to mm. wash their hands. I'm like, dude, what no, are you yeah, doing? Do don't not do that. get that yep. shit on your hands. And I, I really regret. Like, I had, I had a fairly wild younger years. And so I now looking back and seeing all of the people that I was running around with who have cancer and things like that, mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh God, that sucks. Well, during my fleet I, maintenance days, there was a gentleman, an older mechanic yeah. who had really severe cancer. And he was saying, he told me, he was like, Oh yeah, it's because all those years of working with burnt motor oil and diesel motor oil yeah. soaked through his hands, it was on his arms. Yeah. And that's what his doctors tell him he, he got it from apparently. Yeah. And from that moment forward, I was wearing gloves. And everybody's, I, back then, like 15 years ago, people were making fun of me for wearing gloves. Like, I don't care. Like, yeah, exactly. I don't want to die. I don't want to die a miserable death. Yeah. I, I remember smoking a cigarette one time that was soaked in diesel motor oil, mm. right? And not even realizing it was happening. I had it on my hand. I stuck a cigarette in my mouth and the oil had dripped down. And I, I mean, I remember that to this day. Like, God, I'm high. That was stupid. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, smoking is stupid. Yeah. yeah. I quit too. So, yeah. Um, I never yeah. smoked. I, that well, we have a good friend. We had a an issue with the heart, and uh, he's still smoking. That yeah, Brett, you need to stop. <laughs> um, that we're gonna shame him. That Poor urologist guy. said that he said it's the craziest thing ever. He said number one cause of bladder cancer is smoking. He said absolutely what? number one cause really? of bladder cancer is smoking. Bladder and cancer. And he said I will sit these people down, and he will say, okay, you're smoking, and he said I respect. Your right to do that. 
but he said, I, I do need to tell you as your doctor, because he said a lot of the guys who are in the armed services are mm-hmm. smokers. And he yep. said a lot of them, lot, lot, lot of them. And he said, you know, they'll, they'll tell me, well, if you knew what I'd been through, if you knew what I'd That's seen. That's just an excuse. That's right. Good. Yeah. And so he said, here, here's the thing. He said, I'll sit him down and he'll say, all right, I completely understand. But here's what I'm going to tell you about bladder cancer. And so he goes through all of the consequences of bladder cancer and what the what the surgery is and what the treatment is and how it progresses and what happens and how all that goes. And he said, it terrifies them. Oh, I'm going to use lose the use of that and I'm going to, you know, all this stuff. And he said, like, oh, my God, I don't want that. And he said, now that scares you, but you're not afraid of of heart disease. Lung You're not afraid else. of lung cancer. Yeah. You're not afraid of anything else. And I've, I've told about the dude that he was a helicopter mechanic and he went to the VA because he was having carpal tunnel. And so when they do the carpal tunnel surgery, the, the dude at the VA is like, hey, we should probably go ahead and do a MRI or whatever it is because the helicopter mechanics are known for like these one very specific problems. Yeah. He's like turned a certain way doing a certain thing and it caused a problem in the shoulder. And so the doctor comes in when he gets done and he's like, hey, anybody talk to you about anything else? It's like, what are you talking about? He said, you need to quit smoking right now. He said, I don't want to quit smoking. He said, brother, you got lung cancer. And he said, we just saw it. He said, just saw the corner of it. He said, I just, I didn't know if anybody had told you. He said, no, I didn't know. And I watched this dude like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and it, it, luckily they caught it the way they did. But still, I mean. Well, there's chemicals that the helicopter mechanics use. Actually, Sam, one of my techs, he was a Kiowa crew chief. Yeah. And there's chemicals they use to clean. I can't remember what the shaft name is, but there's a certain shaft that has to be perfectly, yeah, absolutely spotless. And the chemical they use to clean it is like you can't get it anywhere other than in the, you know, the aviation world. Yeah. And it's one of those that if it touches you, if you're not wearing the PPE for it, you're done. Like you're you're getting sick. You're going to have some kind of cancer. You're going to grow a yeah. third leg, or something's going bad's going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's, Holy moly! There's crap that we use in the armed forces that it's it's nasty stuff. Even just a normal motor pool. Yeah, it's, it's some nasty stuff. Well, the the biocide for diesel fuel came from the motor pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was made by Raycor. And if you open that sucker up and you read the instructions on that bottle. Holy crap. I mean, it tells you it will kill you every way you can be killed. I mean, it is. As a young mechanic in the Army, they're like, okay, the MSDS book is on that wall beside the hook and the electric gloves, like all those things, all the safety board, right? And you walk over this MSDS book for all the crap that's in a motor pool. That sucker is like, it's thick. You're never going to read it. None of it. No, and if yeah. you did, you'd be terrified. Yeah, you wouldn't even work the on it. The things you're touching are going to kill you. Yeah. The dust yeah. that you're breathing is going to kill you. Oh, by the way, the exhaust fumes that we, you know. Yeah. If, if something's yeah. going to kill you no matter what. My father-in-law gets small cell carcinoma, and they tell my, my wife, they go, this is uh, probably going to kill him in, in a couple of years. Mm. And they go, it's treatable. We're going to get it. It's, he's going to go through... Uh, chemo and then radiation we'll get it the problem is uh, most people don't stop smoking right. and it comes right back and it gets more aggressive and they can't survive the second or third round of chemo mm-hmm. the second go around where they have to mm-hmm. cut it out and zap you 
and pump a bunch of chemicals in you to kill this this cancer. So it kills them all off. They just don't stop. The moral of this conversation is that the mechanics and technicians and owners need to be taking very good care to protect themselves because yeah. the stuff we can deal with, not just cigarette smoke, is is this dangerous stuff. I, yeah. I, I was talking to Brett and I asked him. I said, "At what point?" Because he's he's fifty one. He's not that old. 51 years old, like he still should have another 25, 30 years of life left mm-hmm. in him. And I said, at what point do you just get stubborn enough that you think yourself invincible? Like you're, you can keep smoking. You've had a heart attack. You had to have a stint put in. If that should stop you and go, you know what? I need to make wholesale changes in the way I right. am. It's hard though. And, and, and I think that, I think when you're addicted to something, you put it on this scale. And you say, risk, reward, risk, reward, risk. Yeah, but there, there are mitigating medicine, medicines or, uh, Oh, a funny story about that one. Chantix, when it first came out. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, okay, shoot, not Chantix. Uh, yeah. okay. So in 1999, <laughs> I was stationed in Italy, and they came to us as smokers, a young soldier, like, hey, who wants to quit smoking? I was like, yeah, why not? I, I want to quit. I want to yeah. save some money. You know, I don't like the way I smell. We got this class. It's a smoking cessation class. You do it for two weeks. And at the end of the two weeks, I'm going to prescribe you a pill that's going to make you not want a cigarette. And I was like, sounds good to me. Sign me up. I get out of work for two weeks and I get a magic pill. Hell yeah. I did it. Class was great. It gave us a lot of good tips. And, you know, don't let a three-inch piece of paper control your life and things like that. Mm-hmm. Little mon- uh, mantras you'd say. But that pill, no shit. I take the pill. I'm like, I don't want a cigarette at all. Nothing. Like, no desire for a cigarette. But, man, I had some crazy dreams. Boys, I'm going to tell you what. And then I started having these issues. So, in, in the in the Humvee world, there's a, like, on the geared hub, there's mm-hmm. the star washer that if you don't bend in the little locking tabs, the hub will come Just apart. Come yeah. And you'll see the wheel went on the road, the Humvee will have a bad day, and the driver. And you got an initial. If you bent that tab and you got initial off on everything you do in the army. So that way, if something does happen, they come back to you and put you in jail. Yeah. So I'm doing a, a job and I'm like, I don't remember if I did that or not. Normally me, I was like, well, screw it. I'm opening it back up. I got to make sure. Cause I don't know. I can't confirm. I was like, eh, it'll be all right. That Chantix had me so loopy and like, eh, say lovey. That's fine. I'm good. <laughs> I was like, I stopped. Like, you know what? I'd rather be a smoker than be in jail or kill somebody. <laughs> so, I got rid of it. Well, come to find out, like a year and a half later, they put it out in the public. It was Chantix. And then, yeah. as we all know, that didn't turn out very well for a lot of people. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I was taking it. That's some, that's that, some wicked shit. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That is some, um, that is some rowdy we, stuff. To get off of cigarettes? Yeah. yeah. So it's like an antidepressant. And the way they told us was, we're not sure how it affects. It causes suicide. Yeah. Suicidality. They, they told it because we asked, like, how does this work? And like, we're not sure. It's an antidepressant <laughs> that affects the part of the brain that craves nicotine. That yeah. nicotine receptors are in. We're like, okay, okay, that sounds that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. We didn't know any better. We were taking it. We were the guinea pigs for that shit. Yeah, that, that's just how the armed forces works. I've, I've got a nephew, and so okay, I've, I've got two nephews. One went into the air force, and the other was in the army. And the one, the younger one, when he enlisted. He enlisted because his older brother was stationed in Hawaii. And the younger one got stationed in like Alaska. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I think I want out. But the older one, that he, he went through some similar things where they were like, hey, try this. <laughs> you know, but I'll never forget. He um, when he got back, he said, you know, he said, I always thought really highly 
of the armed forces in the U.S. He said, my mom was in the Air Force. I always thought it was like they did things the right way and things were very, you know, very, very precise and things mm-hmm. were good. And he said, I realized that that wasn't the case. And I said, well, what made you realize the case? He said, I still remember the exact second it happened. He said, I was sitting in the back of a Chinook. And he said, I'm like up against the wall. And he said, the pilot's over here. And he said, there's something hot on my back. And he said, I turn around and look. And he's like, there's this hot oil dripping down the back wall. And it's dripping <laughs> on my back. And he said, I said to the pilot, hey, man. Hey, dude. Like, whoa, we're leaking something. Like, there's oil leaking. And the pilot says, yeah, it's not a problem unless it stops. Let me know if it stops leaking. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Well, I was talking about the gum, yeah. like the gum. You can still take the gum. No, dude, I'm, the I, gum I, work. I, I think it that made work. it worse. Really? I think that made it worse. And I'll, I'll tell you, when I quit, Alex had made an ultimatum that I was going to stop smoking. She said, if you want to hold your child without taking a shower, you're going to stop smoking. Okay. And so I had been, I, I was surrounded by people who had cigarettes. Mm-hmm. So I just go out and borrow one from somebody, yeah. and I had like cut back, and I was to the point that I wouldn't smoke one. I'd go out and I'd, I would smoke the nastiest cigarettes because that's what was available, right. some Winston's or something. Exactly. God, those things are nasty. Horrible. And so, like, I'm borrowing them from people. Oh, Tim, he used to run a record business, and he'd be out front, and he'd have that pack of Winston's. It's exactly what it was. Mm. And I'd go smoke one. Nasty. Just, Migraine headaches for the rest of the day. Yeah, dude. And so when when Jimmy was born. Um, I went to, I, I left the house. I had, she was born the, the night before I left the house when we did some running and all this stuff and was running around with my dad and going back to the hospital. I'm like, oh, I'd love that cigarette. Cause I quit that day. Mm-hmm. I quit the day she was born and I walk into Walgreens and there's this guy in Walgreens and he's, he was always a little weird, always a little funny. And I'm like, I'm clearly a grown man. Mm-hmm. And I go to get a pack of the nicotine gum. And he says, I, I can't say that without an ID. And I'm like, I want to quit smoking. I'm not trying to smoke. <laughs> I am trying to It's quit. not cool to chew gum that has right. nicotine in it. It's not what I'm going for. And he said, no, can't sell it to you unless you have your ID. And like, I've not had a cigarette in 24 hours. At this point. <laughs> that's the first time that's happened in years. And he's like, sorry, buddy. I guess you. I guess you're going to learn the hard way. Without your ID, there's nothing I can do. And dude, I have never been so close to committing a felony and all. <laughs> I, I've, I've committed plenty of things that right. would have resulted in that, but I have never been so close to jumping across a counter in a Walgreens and dragging somebody out the front door. Is that exact minute? I, I still remember the rage that I felt. <laughs> I've never even been that mad at you. You had so many issues. It's so messed <laughs> up. You killed the Walgreens guy for following the law. I sent my dad in to get the gum. <laughs> and then, like, 15 minutes in, it pulls a, a filling out of one of my teeth. Oh, there you go. That's because oh. it's like So it wasn't the fact gum. that he wouldn't sell it to you and made you feel like shit because of, it's because it pulled out a filling. Yeah, that's probably that's what good. it was. It was yeah. just the combination like, of that experience, yeah. you know? Yeah. It was the combination of that experience. Well, now you can get uh, vape pens with... I will say that that Less, helped me because yeah, it's it's the same thing we talk about here. If you want to be a millionaire, surround yourself by millionaires. If you want to be broke, surround yourself by broke people. Same with smoking. Like if you want to be a smoker, so walk outside with all the smokers. Yeah. If you don't want to smoke, don't hang out with smokers. 
Yeah. And that's for me, it was like, I don't want to smoke and I don't hang out with smokers anymore. But when I got on to, when I, when I was doing the drill sergeant thing still in the reserves, I'd go down to Fort Jackson for a while, Fort Benning, be around a bunch of other soldiers that were smoking. I'm like, fuck, give me one. Like, and then yeah. I come back, I'm smoking again. And the, the vape being able to step down to zero, which in vaping is just a horrible thing anyways. It makes me look like such a douche. So I didn't <laughs> want to Do you drive a, a Subaru? No. <laughs> I drive a Beamer though. So a BMW and whatever. But no, I didn't want to be the douche with the vape pen, but it also helped me step down. But surrounding yourself with non-smokers is the best thing. So tell your friend to stop yeah. hanging out with smokers. I, oh, he's, he's the only one out there. There's all, Oh, no. Smoking. There's, there's a whole bunch of Oh, is there? there? It's like so bad that as you're standing in the hallway in here, it's like someone's smoking That's right beside wafting you. It's wafting in. You know, I, I, I don't want to go to tax jail. I should probably hang out with, stop hanging out with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I am probably holding you back. I'm sorry. Nah, it's okay. <laughs> it's worth it. Yeah, I don't know about that. But <laughs> it's worth it. I feel like I feel like getting insulted today. I'm going to call Dave. <laughs> Holy crap! Oh wow! That's, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, that was awesome. That's the best way to. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player, and don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.